I'm Tierra Drake and I'm the founder of Girls on Another Level. In a nutshell, Girls on Another Level aims to progressively empower women who are a catalyst for success. It is my mission to highlight African American women who are well established in their careers. What is needed are inspiring and real stories from women who have experienced things and can help guide other young women on their desired career path. My passion is to explore women's stories and what it really takes for women to be successful. The goal is to elevate and inspire the minds of women while they navigate their journey to a beneficial future. With the voice God gave me, I am committed to helping others become a girl on another level. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Girls on Another Level. Today, I want to share a prayer for business. So anyone who's looking for multiple streams of income, already started a business in the process of starting a business and being an entrepreneur, um, I am going to start um, saying this prayer. I haven't, and I've had this saved in my phone since, and I'm looking at my phone now, y'all, since April 24th of 2022, and I've yet to pray this prayer. And I even had a conversation with my friend um, as well, and I've realized that I never actually pray on my business. It's like I think positive thoughts and I'm like, oh, I hope this works out. But I have never sat down and actually prayed for opportunities to grow within my business expansion and and really getting a financial increase from my brand, my podcast. And so this year we putting things into action. No more, you know, I said this, we, we, the actions, okay, is going to speak louder than the words, okay? But I'm going to say the words too. (laughs) Anyways, this is a prayer um, that I found. And so prayer for business. Lord, I give you all that I am, all that I hold. I ask for your guidance as I build and shape this business. I trust that you will bless the work of my hands. I pray that you would cover this enterprise and cover my investments. I believe in your leadership that you will guide me and advise me. Come and envision me. May this venture be full of integrity, generosity, fruitfulness, and provision. I give you all that I am and all that I hold. Amen. Who y'all? I don't know about y'all, but that one spoke to me, okay? I usually just be like, Lord, please expand my business. Like, that ain't nothing. That ain't said nothing, okay? But this one right here... That that's the prayer right there, all right? So I hope that you can use that. But from the clip that I'm about to play, can you guys guess what career we're gonna be talking about today? No, listen to me. I'm the designer. My name is on it. Deliver what I ordered, all right? Thank you. For everyone that's listening, I do have Samantha Clark here. Um, and she is a UX designer. Um, so I, I definitely want to welcome you in, um, but I'm ready to jump into some questions. Uh, totally. But um, before we kind of go into you being a UX designer, um, I kind of want to talk about some of your previous roles. Um, you were once a community access specialist um, and you were a behavior therapist. Um, and so... Like I said, I, I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, so when I looked at your 
your profile, I see that you you went to Eastern Kentucky University, um, and it was also in your bio. Um, so did you go into college wanting to be a behavior therapist? Kind of walk me through that. Absolutely not. Um, when I started college, I was planning to be a fashion journalist. So there has been a big change from starting out in 2008 to now. Um, when I went into college, I started studying journalism and decided that writing, I did enjoy writing, but I was looking to write more about, I guess what now would be considered as cultural commentary. And that was just not happening as much during that time. The internet was still, well, kind of like the writing side of internet of the internet was still kind of a new thing. Being able to make money on the internet was still a new thing. So starting in college, I felt like I had to start all over. I had to figure out what else I wanted to do because in high school, I was so determined to be a writer that I didn't really explore other options. So college was kind of a period of discovery and I ended up just not knowing what I wanted to do after I graduated, but I know that I find joy in helping others. So that's where I started to look for how do I become, I guess, a part of my community in a way that is empowering other people and helping them integrate. So that's where I found community access specialist and also that grew into behavior therapy. You, you said something that kind of stood out to me. Um, you said you, you know, it was a discovery phase for you, but you knew you wanted to help people. Um, and I recently um, actually just returned um, to my old um, college um, for my, my current job. Um, and a lot of the students were just kind of saying like, yeah, either they knew they wanted to be, you know, pre-med, biology, finance. Um, but then you have the, the other group of people who kind of didn't know exactly what they wanted to do, which is totally fine. Um, there, there are no problems with that. But I think you have to kind of go into it with some sort of idea. Um, and for you, it, it kind of like the foundation. You said you like to help people. You know, that's what you wanted to do. So I love that you were able to kind of center that as the foundation through your discovery phase. And ultimately, even though that's not what you're, you're doing now, but it led you to, you know, that chapter of your life. So I, I definitely um, love that you pointed that out. Um, what kind of sparked that aha moment or what were some of the situations um, surrounding you making the decision to to leave that field? I would say working with clients, well, a particular experience that really sparked my interest in UX was there was a client who their parents decided they wanted to use an alternative communication device to kind of help them basically communicate with people around them, their caregivers, communicating with parents. And 
there's different forms of communication devices that people can use um, from high tech to low tech. Um, but the one that my client was using was very high tech. Um, it was a, it looked like a big tablet. You rolled it in, it had its own stand. Um, but the way it was designed was they could use their eye contact to look at something that they wanted. And then the communi communication device would say what the item was. So say for instance, if they wanted a cup of water, they would look at that cup of water and the device would say, I want a cup of water. So I was just fascinated with that. And I wanted to know how is this created? How do they design it for a particular person? Is this a way to customize it? And that just sparked a ton of questions that I had to Google and kind of piece together on my own. But I found UX and I was like, this is the thing for me. And then I started looking for boot camps and saw the price tag on them. And I was like, I don't know if this can work for me. But um, with more research, I was able to find one that was more affordable. And that's where everything started. Oh, wow. It's interesting how like either like the smallest thing or, or one big moment can kind of change the whole trajectory of, of your life. Yes. What you <laughs> expected it to, to look like. So that's interesting. Is that kind of how you were growing up? Were you like the, the Y kid? Yes. <laughs> like I remember I um, being so excited. This this is kind of aging me, but I remember having a salesman come to our door to sell encyclopedias, and that was a highlight. I feel like that was a cultural shift for me um, because I could finally stop asking my parents questions and I could look it up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but I want to I want to jump into this. So what is a UX designer? What do you do? Yeah. So specifically with um, digital products, a UX designer looks at this product and decides how can I create the best experience for the particular target audience, but also someone who might not be specifically in mind when creating the product. Um, so what we are enlisted to do is to be the eyes, the ears, and advocate for changes, design changes that are going to allow other people to experience a product in a positive way. And that was a lot of words, but in, to sum it up, I would say the best way to describe it is if you have ever used dark mode on your device, um, whether that be your computer or your phone, it's supposed to help decrease the strain in your eye. So that's an example of UX, uh, making that design choice of how does this, how can I create a better experience for the person using the product. Wow. Okay. Thank you for breaking that down for me because I, I kind of get a, a better understanding for it. So it's almost like you're you're not, you know, I guess like tailored down to 
one specific skill or, or interest. It's kind of a, a mixture of like graphic design, but then there are technical things that, that kind of go into it as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're exactly right. And I think that's why it's, I don't want to say easy to transition into it, but it's a lot easier than say, for instance, a more technical role of software development where you have to learn a very specific skill set where with UX, you can come in with a different background and learn technical skills and still be able to apply your previous skill set to that role. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think with your, and I'm sure you were thinking this when you made that transition, but your, your previous skills um, just tailored to that as well, because you know, designing a product, you're thinking about how it's going to affect that customer. So it's a lot of things that, that tie into it. And I think your, your previous roles, um, but it all ties into what you're doing now. Um, and so I know you mentioned before that when you kind of got into this, you know, you were kind of looking at the different boot camps and, and what you could do to kind of get into this field. So you did not have, you know, that that prior experience. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of familiar with the, the boot camps a little bit. Um, I'm actually in the transition to get into tech sales. Um, yeah. So I actually just finished um, eight weeks. Um, boot camp um, to, to kind of get into that. Um, but what are some of the, I guess, green flags and red flags that, that people should look for when it comes to, um, you know, applying and, and joining a boot camp? I think there are plenty out there, but how, how do you kind of break down what would be best for you as far as boot camps? Very good question. Um, so I would say before you even think about a boot camp, learn as much as you can for free. That means YouTube tutorials. There are plenty of websites that are just offering information that you can utilize. I would even encourage try your best to think of a problem to solve and walk through the design process on your own before considering a boot camp because of the timeline that um, boot camps offer. It's a very quick timeline and you don't want to be in there forever. It's, I'm, the way I think of boot camps are, you're using that time to create a portfolio so that as soon as you're done, you can start marketing yourself for jobs. Um, and it's not, well, I guess depending on where you go, it's a lot harder to meet that timeline when you're also learning how to build your plane in flight at the same time. Um, green flags, I would say, number one, find what is affordable to you. Because there's so many free resources, I think paying an astronomical amount for boot camps is not the way to go. <laughs> Um, another green flag is what is the career support that you might receive afterwards? Are you going to be able to connect with um, partner companies that are interested in designers? Are you going to be able to network with people who are also taking that boot camp? 
Um, are there other programs that the boot camp is partnered with that you can seek mentorship with? Um, looking for perks that the boot camp offers is also a green flag. I'm trying to think of another third one that you might want to look out for. Um, also, how are your projects being evaluated? Who's evaluating your projects? I think that's also a good thing to ask. And if you can schedule, say, a call or even speak with people who've already completed the boot camp, then you get a better idea of what you are walking into. So being able to talk to somebody who's already completed it or has found a job in it, that's even better. Found a job afterwards, that's even better. So Yes. Oh goodness. I, I love it. I love it because and I think maybe just because of the the space that I'm in now, um, with actually finishing a boot camp um as well, I, I think I can relate to it more. But I, I definitely know a few people, um, whether it is with, you know, tech sales, technical recruiter, just just trying to get into this field. Um, tech is very broad. Um, there are many, Extremely. Um, you know, fields within that um, industry by itself. So kind of what have, what are your thoughts on, you know, the rise of tech and so many people wanting to, to join this industry? I think it's exciting because there needs to be more diversity in tech. Um, there is a book that I saw um, on TikTok um, and it talks about kind of the racism built into algorithms simply because the people designing them, they are not the people there. And this also goes into UX of just doing the research of finding out who's using your products and being able to build them so that they help a variety of people and not specifically the people that you have in mind when you're creating them, I guess. Is I need to figure out a way to word that better. But basically, I would say that having more diversity in tech is exciting because of the chance of solving issues that other people might not think of that affect your community. Um, but it is a balance because we don't want to be married to our screens forever or you don't you want that healthy balance of being able to have that automation and have things that make your life easier but also being able to touch grass once in a while and not having to open up an app for that yeah definitely it's <laughs> i'm glad you kind of touched on that because i i see i see it all the time especially I have two younger cousins um, and when I was growing up we had like leapfrog you know even though that's kind of techie but you were able to kind of have more instructional educational things on, on leapfrogs and all the other stuff 
but I have like my little cousin she's probably six or seven now she was like five she had the little um tablet now she has an ipad they got her phone most of the the stuff is restricted but i'm like we (laughs) kind of have to find a little bit of time to like step away from that sometimes i'm like all i do is stare at a screen all day yeah it's a little early on but kind of what do you do to separate you from a screen (laughs) So I have had to figure this out myself because it's very easy for me to not leave my house for several days. So I've made it a point to, at the end of the day, I need to go outside, I need to take a walk, or I need to go to the gym, or I need to, for the next 30 to 45 minutes, do something that doesn't involve looking at a screen so I started um doing like little doodle journals um I took up adult coloring books again um so having creating that time for yourself whether it be a few minutes an hour separating that time so that you're not staring at a screen is kind of how I've been trying to balance a very technical digital job in still remaining in the real world. Yes. No, I love that. And I love that you still do coloring books. I, I do that as well. <laughs> I'll just be at the counter. I'm just coloring. And it, it just it just eases your mind. So I love that. Yes. <laughs> it's definitely a balance, but starting somewhere. I think a lot of people just kind of get consumed and it, it's just a it is what it is type situation. But that, that's awesome. Um, now, I definitely want to kind of talk more about you know your role and what you do but once you graduated um from your boot camp um you know what was that that journey like I know you do contract um work but what was the the job search like for you so with my particular boot camp there is a design agency that's partnered with it So we're getting that experience of building out our portfolios, working with real life case studies um, before we actually jump out into the job search. Um, So right now I'm finalizing my, not my last project, but I'll have enough projects that kind of represent my ability right now. And then I will start that job search of putting applications and interviews um, and trying to secure a full-time role. Oh, wow. I am glad that you said that and kind of broke that down for me because I think in the boot camp that I was in, it was, of course, more so just teaching you the the fundamentals, but I actually had an interview um, with a a tech company, um, and one of the questions I always ask is, you know, what is your your greatest concern in potentially hiring me, Um, which if you're applying out there, that is a really good question to ask, Um, and he was just like, do you want, you know, the sugar-coated version or, or do you want me to be real? And I was like, I would hope 
that you're real even <laughs> if I don't move forward with your company I, I can use this feedback um, but he just said you know it, it's great that you you did this boot camp you know but it's almost like you've been in the incubator for a while you know mm. you haven't really gone out there to get that whole experience um and so that would be my greatest hesitation now that you um have the experience in working with these these different projects kind of walk me through a day in the life and what that looks like oh okay yes so i would say working starting out in my boot camp everything is your responsibility as the sole designer researcher copywriter and that is such a task um because you realize what it takes to be a good design what it takes to be a designer and what it takes to be a good designer and kind of um referencing back to what you said about just having different types of skills of graphic design and storytelling you really see how having those skills impacts your day to day um but being able to work on a team with the real case studies and projects um it kind of takes away that pressure of being able to produce absolutely everything where you can in a team you can delegate and people who have more strengths in one area can take on different aspects of the project um depending on how your team lead um kind of leads the project it, it sets up how your project will go um so i'll give my previous or the last project that i worked on as an example um we did a lot of things in tandem we kind of got on Figma and Figma is a design tool that's online. It's free to use, so anybody who's listening who kind of wants to play around with different design tools, create an account and you will they have a wonderful um blog for education and kind of talking about how to use it. So, definitely try that out. But so we would do a lot of stuff together and then we would kind of work independently um towards the end but to kind of break down the process first you would start out with meeting with the client and kind of getting an idea of what they're looking for what kind of assistance they need um with the previous project I was working on the client had software development experience so we were really just working on um the look of the app that he wanted to make so once we have an idea what the client wants then that's where we decide on and the client had an example of what he wanted so that kind of gave us a jumping off point and we went through the item or the project and um we did a heuristic evaluation and that is a type of evaluation where you basically pick out what someone would have a difficult time with like say for instance um a logo 
the colors aren't really accessible. So for people who have low vision or a hard time seeing, that might not be um, the colors that you would want for them to see when using the app. Um, so once we kind of figure out what we need to improve on, then that's where we delegate of, all right, so where do we start? How do we fix this? What is the most important things that the user using the app would need? And once we figure that out, then that's where we begin to um, design wireframe, um, basically building out the bones of what the project would look like. And this can take, depending on how big the project is, um, for my particular project, it was like six weeks. Um, so once you have the bones, then you start to design the actual elements of the project. Um, and that's kind of what leads to your finalized, what the end user would use. And you begin to prototype. That's where you will use the screens that the end user would use, but you're making it as, as finalized as possible so that once you hand it off to a developer, then that's where they turn in the function. That's where they create the functionality and where someone can actually use the app as they would in day-to-day -day life. Wow. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, I think you, you kind of have an idea of something, but then when it's broken down, you know, to each level, it's definitely a process that, that you do. Wow. I, it's almost like everything has to be built some sort of way, but no one ever takes the, the time to kind of see, well, how did this come about? So you just breaking it down on what you do and then when it's passed on to the next person within that project, that, that's not pretty cool. That is amazing. <laughs> I gave you a yeah. macro view, but the day-to-day -day is kind of just... A little view of what that is so um, I would say a day-to-day -day can be creating screens or um, doing research for the project so it can change every day but that was like the macro view of the design process so tried to gotcha. answer your question <laughs> No, no, you still definitely did. Um, I think that's what listeners needed to, to kind of hear. I think you hear the word design and it's kind of like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to be drawing or building something all day. And it's like, <laughs> no, wait a minute. Like there, there is more to it. So no, still thank you for giving that, that full overview of the process. Um, that, that's pretty, pretty cool. I, I love that. Um, and just learning more about the, the things that you do, finding the inspiration to, to kind of build a, a prototype and, and build these for different customers. It's stuff that we use every day. So like <laughs> this, this is pretty awesome. As we, we wrap up here, I know there's a, a lot more people should kind of, you know, research and, and pay attention to if wanting to join this field or just tech in general. Um, so what other advice would you share to someone who is trying to um, kind of go down this route as a UX designer? 
I would say try and find something about or a specific portion of UX that you get excited about. For me, it's accessibility and learning more about um, how items and products can help other people um, with disabilities. For other people, it can be just color and learning how to make beautiful things, um, how, how to um, design colors that really pop and make items so engaging. Um, find the field that, because UX goes into many different fields as well. Um, maybe it's a field that you're really passionate about. FinTech is very popular. Learning how to create products that um, make financial literacy um, more accessible, that is also something you could look into. So something that excites you about UX is going to be your motivation to go through your boot camp or go through your UX program or just learning more about UX on your own. Um, that's something, that's advice that I got early on. Yes, I love that. I love that. It's always just kind of finding that that purpose. Um, yeah. I read something where it's just like, you, you may ask why one time, but ask why again, ask why, and just kind of tailor it down until you find the reason why. So that is that is pretty pretty awesome, and that's some good advice to take just anywhere um, in life <laughs> when it comes to choosing a career. Um, but I definitely want to say thank you so so much um, for just coming on it and sharing your journey. It wasn't you know the the cookie cutter path where you you woke up you know and just knew at age five that this is what you wanted to do so I definitely enjoy you you know just sharing more about your your path and you know starting at one place and ending here so thank you so much for coming and sharing your story yeah thank you for inviting me all right, guys, so before we go, I have to shout out Legally Attractive. CEO and founder Gianni Moore, first of all, the name, okay? Fire. But Legally Attractive is a women's boutique, and it centers around corporate fashion. She has handbags, blazers, dresses, and much, much more. So you, you definitely have to visit her website, look at her pieces. You can shop at legallyattractive.com. And listen, if you're a, a loyal, committed, goal listener, okay, you, you got to go to her Instagram, shop legally attractive and tell her thank you. And you're telling her thank you because she is giving goal listeners a 20% off discount code towards your purchase. All you have to do is type in the code goal and that's G-O-A-L to receive that discount. Thank you so much, Gianni. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode.